week we started a new series uh, on the essential oils of the Bible because essential oils are all the craze. Uh, my wife was not too mad at me yet last week for my sermon, praise the Lord. Uh, she got tons of text messages for recipes and for blends for oils, praise God. But all the oil people just showed up heavily last week on our streams and everything else. But I, I, I'm a believer now in the essential oil craze. I'm a believer. It's been powerful in my life, and, and I, I love it now. So, baby, if you're watching, I know you'll be here at second service, but I love your oils. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. They're essential in our lives, though, when we find the oils of the Scripture that God wants to provide for you and me. There are oils in the Bible that are essential, and today we find another oil in Psalms 133, and it may not be a typical oil, but it's very, very important. Psalms 133 says this in verse 1, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls in the mountains of Zion. For there, somebody say there. The Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. This is a really good oil. I want to talk to you for a few minutes on the oil of unity in the body of Christ. The oil of unity and how the psalmist compares unity to this anointed oil that was on the beard of the high priest. Now, unity within the body of Christ is one of God's greatest priorities. I want to say that again. Unity in the body of Christ is God's, one of his top priorities. And as a believer, you, somebody say me, should have that same priority. And I want you today to take that, that propensity we have to listen to a sermon for somebody else and listen to it today just for you. Because sometimes you'll be like, oh, I know who needs to hear this. And God's like, you, it's you. And you getting ready to, for the podcast to come out on Tuesday so you can send it to somebody. And God's like, you re-listen to it. It's you. Listen, understand this, church. God is looking for the church to be united. You know, over the last six years of my pastor as a church, we've really tried to bring the body of Christ together. We do it through 10 days of prayer or 72 hours with God or various uh, things that we've done with the Luis Palau Association, the Billy Graham Association, and whatever it, it is to bring unity to the body of Christ, we want to be a part of that as a church because we understand it is important that not just this church be unified, but that every church across the city who has like beliefs and, and understands the gospel as we do, we all know that unity is of the utmost importance, right? Unity is on God's radar. Here, listen to this. One of the greatest determining factors of whether God pours his spirit out on a church is unity. One of the biggest things, God's not gonna pour out on a church divided. He's gonna pour out on a church that is united. And then in your homes, in your marriages, in your relationships, your friendships, I wanna point out to you that God is requiring on a macro level that we be united as believers. That as believers, we stay, somebody say united. united. Now we need to recognize that a priority of heaven is a united church, but a priority of hell is a divided church. The enemy of our soul will do anything he can to divide the church. And it seems like never before there has been so much to be divided about. I'm going to get in trouble today. And some of you might not like me by the end of this. And I have reserved in my heart that that's okay. 
I'm going to be fine. Because in today's world, we're divided along every single cultural line possible. We're divided by politics. We're divided by racial lines. We're divided by social justice issues. We're divided by everything. We're divided in church by denominations, by differing beliefs, and, and all types of desires and what we should be doing as a church, and we should do this, and we should do that. And there's always a reason why people are finding a reason to be divided. I don't like you because you support him. I don't like you because you like them, and you support them, and they don't support me, so I can't like you. There is like every dumb reason in the church, it seems like we are being divided. We're divided by offenses. We're divided by sins that look like wins, but in the end, end up killing the church called gossip. So you might get somebody on your side, but if you have further divided the church, you are part of a satanic agenda. Y'all don't want to hear that today. All right, I'll take that off for the second service. Amen. We allow for social media algorithms to put you into your silos of people who you agree with. And anybody else who pops into your algorithm who you don't agree with, you unfollow them and you unfriend them or you block them because you disagree with them, not realizing that you are not following biblical guidelines for your brothers and sisters in Christ. You can just shut them out through the power of media. I don't have to listen to you. I don't have to see what you post. I'm just going to unfollow you. I'll smile at you in church, but just let you know I don't want to hear anything you have to say. And I don't want to be your friend. Some of y'all got, got that reason, man. I heard the little chuckles that were just conviction in Jesus' name. Never before. Listen, we've never needed unity as we do so much right now. We've allowed ourselves to grow negative opinions and feelings about others because they see the world differently than ourselves. Because they view life or they've had a different life experience than us. And we, we put our view above the value of the kingdom of unity. And we don't allow for this oil of unity to flow in the church. Because if it did, there would be an outbreak of the spirit every single Sunday. In every church across the city. If there was true unity within the body of Christ. This is an essential oil in this season. Now the verse that we just read, King David is the writer. The Holy Spirit is the author. And David is the interesting character in the Bible. He's described as a man after God's own heart. And if you're new to church, David wasn't, you know, the original king of Israel. King Saul was. But King Saul steps outside of God's will. And then God finds this young boy, the shepherd king, whose name was David. And he says, I'm going to make this guy who's like my heart, this guy that I like, this worshiper, he's going to be the next king of Israel. And it took some time, but in the end, David took over the entire kingdom of Israel. And he understood the importance, right, the absolute importance of unity within his nation. Unity within his own people. It's important to realize that as a worshiper, David wrote many songs. The Psalms are not poems, they're songs. They're songs of worship, right? We don't know the melody to them, but we know that they're songs of worship. Some sound like a real sad country song. Others like an upbeat victory cry, right? But in this psalm, and in many of the psalms, are hidden truths about God's nature and what God wants from his people. And David starts declaring this. He says, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers, look to your neighbor, look to your neighbor real quick, look around, look around. He's talking about them, dwell together in unity. David says, it's good when brothers dwell in unity. He's pulling here on this idea of family. And he's pulling on this idea because Israel was a, somebody say family. And the body of Christ is a family. And he's saying, there's a blessing that comes when you're united with the person to your left and to your right. 
There's a blessing that comes when you are united with the family of God, right? And not just the family of God, your family at home, when you're on the same page, the oil of God is there. Not just them at your job. Things flow better when your work family is united. How about this one? Your countrymen, your fellow Americans are your family, whether you like them or not. Whether you agree with them or not, there is a family of our nation. And after we understand this, we can begin to realize the importance of unity. See, David, his son Solomon took over the kingdom. He sinned so much when his son took over, the kingdom split into Israel and Judah. And unity was no longer achieved in Israel. Because of this, they were overtaken by sin and then by their enemies and they were captured and now they would have to pilgrimage all the way to Jerusalem at the time of, of the Holy Feast or when they were rebuilding the temple. And this psalm, this song, 133 of Psalms, it became the thing they would sing when they saw each other in the road was going to Jerusalem. How good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity. Because they realized it was their lack of unity that had allowed sin and the enemy to come in and divide the entire country. There's an oil of unity that brings goodness and pleasantness. It comes from the bonds of being united with the various layers of the family of God that he calls us to be in unity. And David says, behold, it's almost like, hey, yo, look, check this out. He's like, behold, how good and pleasant it is. He's like, look, guys, we are better together that we can face more if we're united. We are not just a church, we are a family. And the church down the street, they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And New Vision is our brothers and sisters. And Good Shepherd up the road there is our brothers and sisters. Cathedral of Praise is our brothers and sisters. That's why when AGC came to Citywide, it wasn't just a merger, it was a family reunion. We were all brothers and sisters. Kingdom Life, Cornerstone, Vertical Church, Vox Church, we are all brothers brothers and sisters in the family of God. And there's no sibling rivalry in this kingdom or in this family. We're not in competition with any other church. We are called to be one. Everyone in this room is family. If you feel like you got no family in the world, look no further than here. You have family. And how much are you missing by being upset or disgruntled with one of the members of your family? How much goodness and pleasantness are you missing because you cannot love your brother or sister in Christ because you are holding something against them or you just don't like their vibe? (laughs) Because we're petty sometimes. Just something about that person. And then we treat them in such a way, right, according to how we feel about them. And then when they feel what we're feeling and how we're treating them, they end up doing exactly what we thought they were in the first place, even though they weren't. And we, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because you have treated them so negatively that they treat you negatively. And you're like, I knew it. I knew it. And, and God's like, you didn't know anything. You built that monster. Now deal with it. If you would just go repent and apologize about your, the way you've been side-eyeing them for the last three months. Y'all don't want to hear that, right? Okay. Hmm. Any opinion about anyone that God does not share is not holy. We can only look at people the way God sees them if we're going to be true sons and daughters of God. Well, what does it mean to be unified and what good does it do? Here's point number one for you today, that God's desire for unity is so that we can delight in one another. 
To delight in somebody means that you can find them as a source of joy. You can find them as something that you love to do. Like when you get with a brother or sister in God, have you ever met somebody in the church and you hung out with them after church one day and you're like, you went home like, that person is hilarious. I can hang out with them all the time. Maybe just me? Okay, praise God. <laughs> like I hang out with everybody. I like people. I actually, believe it or not, I like meeting people. I like asking questions. I like discovering their attributes and their characteristics. And I, I just like meeting them. And so, and so I'll, I'll hang out with somebody and we'll be friends and we'll just laugh about things. And we'll, well, I just like meeting people, but I can delight in their goodness and overlook their weaknesses. Because as a member of the family of God, my job is to minimize their weaknesses and maximize their strengths. I don't want to sit there and be like, oh, this person got an issue. Now, if they have an issue, I will lovingly and gently, as a leader in their life, I will bring correction, right? But you have to, correction has to be based on relationship, not just position. I'd rather build with them and then say, hey, listen, you're nuts. <laughs> just by the way, we've been hanging out for about a month, and I want to let you know you are crazy, but it's okay. I can help you, right? But when you are corrected by somebody who is relationally loving towards you versus someone who just thinks they're over you, that's a different conversation. But God's desire is that we're able to delight in one another and that as a body of Christ, we can love one another. God calls us to love and to live with this all of unity so that we can delight in each other, so that every member of the body can be a source of inspiration for you and so that no matter where you look, you find love in the church. That no matter where you turn in the body, there's receptivity because you are family. That's the desire of God. You see, the body of Christ works just like your regular family. You don't get to choose who's in it. Some of y'all know you got some crazy family. You're thinking about that crazy cousin right now. You're thinking about your own parents. They're nuts. You barely like them, but you can't choose your family, so you love them. And God's like, it's the same with church. You can't choose who I bring up in this building. You better just love them. You actually, act, you got a choice when you're in here. Well, I go to first service because they go to second service. You know what? God forgive you. Go to second service next week. Right? God wants you to love all of your family. And for some of us, this might be upsetting because there are literally people you dislike or hate. And that is so outside of God. There are individuals that you, in the body of Christ, other Christians and other churches that you don't ever want to fellowship with and you never want to be in step with. And I want to let you know real simply, you are in sin and in error. There's no way to hate the Father, or rather the children of God, but love the Father. Many have brought into the lie that I can walk in step with the Father but hate his kids. And that is nothing but a pervasive lie of the enemy that keeps the body of Christ divided. Right? The opposite, right? The polar opposite of unity is strife. And strife is like this deadly disease that spreads away in your life and in your body until it leads to death, right? Strife causes us to despise one another instead of delighting in one another. It causes you to dislike individuals rather than to love on them extravagantly. And this is true in your marriages, in your families, in your communities, in your workplaces, and in the church. That conflict arises in us through strife and it emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually drains you. Unity is good and pleasant. Strife drains you. And many of us within the body have found comfort more in strife than in unity because you're used to conflict. And you think to yourself, well, I'm just a confrontational person and I ain't got no problem telling somebody they're wrong. But you do got a problem telling, getting told that you're wrong. It's usually the people who are okay telling everybody they're wrong who are the very ones who never want to be told that they are wrong. 
A wise person once told me, that's pride. She just laughed, amen. But that's the work of the enemy in our lives. Many of us in the body, right, in every season, some of y'all in every season, you got a different person you're in conflict with. And in every season, seemingly, you are not the issue. If in every season of your life, you can look back and find somebody who you were at out with or fell out with and had to get a new friend, it might be you. It just might be you walking outside of the oil of unity. Maybe you need to put some oil on it. Maybe the reason nobody sticks around in your life is because there's no grace for you to be a friend. Maybe you're just a taker, or maybe you're a dominator, and you're a controller, and you lord yourself over other people because you think you're better. Maybe you only hang out with people who are just below your caliber so you can always feel good about yourself. But the moment they ever step up beyond your caliber, you squash them the best you can, and you try to get everybody in your circle to hate them too. Y'all don't want to hear that either. That's called a demonic, controlling, manipulative spirit. That's not the oil of unity in the church. How can we live in this agreement or be at odds with somebody down the aisle from us in the church? It don't make no sense. The overall global church has its own divisions, let alone the small individual offenses that we have in the church. We already got issues in denominations. Why do we need it here? We got issues between Pentecostals, Baptists, Methodists, Anglicans, Catholics, Episcopalians, the Reformed Church, you know, Church of God, Church of God in Christ, Church of God of Christ International. We got Mission Board, Mennonites, Lutherans, Anabaptists, we got all types of schisms. We don't need you hating the person down the aisle too. It don't make no sense. Here's a major issue of the church is that you choose your offenses over the offering of Christ on the cross. You choose to hold your offense in a higher regard than the offering that Jesus made on the cross that made us all one. And so you rather say, well, my offenses are more important than God's offering of Jesus Christ on that cross. But if I saw the cross as more valuable, there's no way that I can hold an offense against my brother. I would have to forgive. Wait, pastor, are you telling me that when I stay offended at an individual, I'm bringing division into the church? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're placing our offenses above the offering of Jesus. Either Jesus is the most important or your offenses are. But if being offended is more important than Jesus, we are living in error. When the oil of unity is not present, there is division, and it makes life hard because strife hinders the anointing of God in the family, and you begin to develop anxiousness, and you don't want to deal with certain people or go to certain functions or places because you don't know if they're going to be there, and you have all this foolishness inside of you. But unity, however, it adds days to your lives where strife takes them away. Unity adds goodness and pleasantness, and God's deep desire is that you would delight in one another and that you would do everything to pursue peace with all people. Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all if it depends on you. And the vast majority of the time, it does. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration and comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. This is a good and pleasant thing that David is talking about, to walk in that peace of God. Colossians 2, verse 2, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love. He wants us to find a a joy, a fulfillment in one another. This oil of unity requires that I live selflessly, humbly, and considering others above myself. Above my own feelings and emotions, I look towards others. 
You're thinking today maybe how deeply you've been hurt by somebody or maybe how you don't agree with people and their views and you ain't got no respect for them and this and this and that. If that's what's fumbling around in your heart, I want to tell you also, I said it in point one, but I also have it here in point two, repent. Ask God to deal with your calloused heart that allows you to dislike somebody who is a son or a daughter of God. To not pursue peace with your brother is a sin. To not pursue peace with your sister is a sin. But secondly, realize that the goal of unity is not to agree on everything, it's to agree on Jesus. We must live with the understanding and conviction that what, you, that what unites us is greater than what divides us. David drives his point home by comparing unity to the precious oil that was poured on the head of Aaron, the high priest. He said, it's like that oil that was poured in his head, flowed down from his beard. Well, why is that oil special? Well, let's read it in Exodus 30, 22. And the Lord said to Moses, take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels, and a sweet-smelling cinnamon, half as much that is 250, and 250 of aromatic cane, and 500 of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil. And you shall make these a sacred anointing oil blended as by the perfumer, and it shall be a holy anointing oil. Did you see it? Did you catch it? This sacred spices, it was sacred because of its diversity. It was not just one oil, it was a mixture, a diverse blend of others with that olive oil, AKA the beaten oil, as it's, see, once God beats you down, he, he starts to add to your life other sacred spices and ingredients, and thus in that unity, there is a holiness or a sacredness that comes from that oil. It was the various types and the, the, the whole idea of being very uh, varied in its form, there was different things happening there. It wasn't just one oil. It was a good blend. And Israel was forbidden to make other oil of this caliber and use it for any other purpose. If you made this oil, it was supposed to be just for anointing. And so David says this. He says this. Unity is like the oil of anointing for a high priest. The oil of unity. He's saying this is like a diverse blend of spices where diverse people come together and there God commands a blessing. There at that place, God says, there is where I am going to bless. He says this is a very good thing. It's good and it's pleasant. Here's point number two real quick and I'm almost done. Unity is about diversity, not uniformity. God's not looking for everybody in your circle to be like you. Unity is not us all agreeing on politics and all of us agreeing on the same exact hot button topics. That is not unity. Unity celebrates diversity. Unity says the more the merrier. Unity says bring every color, race, and creed into this place because that is what God wants. That's where the blessing is commanded to. You can trace almost every great revival and see it was multicultural. You can see it. Beloved, unity is not us agreeing on all the same doctrines that aren't unto salvation. Unity is a vast differing array of people coming together with their various traits and graces and combining them together into this diverse family filled with power, joy, and peace, all centered on the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's unity. It is not this idea of uniformity because uniformity states that everything must be the same in every case at every time. And that's not going to be us. We are not going to be the same. Discipleship is not you just being like Lewis. Discipleship is you being like Jesus if he were you. What does God want to do through your life? 
We are all graced to be unique. Church isn't about bashing people into one mold to fix you into something that somebody else is. Church and the kingdom is about God bringing diverse people together and allowing you not to get back to a place of bondage and sin. It's in our diversity that we grow stronger as a body. It's in our diversity. You don't always have to agree with your mother or your father, but you'll love them and that diversity of opinion builds you as an adult. And later on when you have your own kids, you realize mom and dad was partially right. It's in that diversity. Unity is the art of being able to agree on the important things and not allow the unimportant things to divide us or to divide our heart. And I digress for 30 seconds to tell you, I'm not just telling you to deal with people. I'm telling you and challenging you to change your heart deeply and to love individuals who don't think like you, don't believe like you, and don't act like you because God is not looking for you to make your friends into a carbon copy of you because you think you are so great. God wants every single individual believer to be unique, no matter their political views, no matter their religious views on on, on the small, unimportant topics, and no matter their view on COVID or vaccination or masks. It does not matter. You are losing friends over the stupidest things. You are losing friends and losing respect and losing the grace of God in your life on the basis of the most foolish things in the body of Christ. We can ill afford for us to walk in the ways of the world. We have to look at this and say, the kingdom value of unity is more important than my view of society. I have to look at that and say, diversity brings strength. As our church year after year for the past four years, especially, it's getting more and more diverse. The more that people come here, the more various opinions we will have up in this place. But the only one that matters is the 66 books of the Bible and what Jesus has spoken over us and what the finished work of the gospel declares in our lives. That's all that matters. Does it matter how you come in? Does it matter if you're Asian, black or white or Hispanic? It does not matter. We are not an American church, a Spanish church, or a black church. We are just the church. We are just the family of God. And that oil of unity has to keep on being produced in us so that we can value the diversity and not look for uniformity. We have to value the diversity. Can we agree on Jesus? Can we agree that he's good? Can we agree that he's faithful and he's coming back for his church? Can we agree on the need to reach the lost? Can we agree on the need to love our community? Can we agree that people in this room are just as needy as those in the world and we should love each other? Can we agree? Well, pastor, where do I draw the line? I'll tell you where. We never compromise the kingdom. We never compromise the scripture to suit anyone for the sake of unity. We never compromise the basic Judeo-Christian values that we hold to be true, and we would never compromise the deity of Scripture or the, the deity of Christ or the authority of Scripture. Beyond those things, I can love you. Beyond those things, I can care about you. Unity is about diversity, not uniformity. And in this day and age, we tend to think that if we aren't, the church isn't doing what we're doing or what we deem important in that season, then the church is out of line and you're in your prayer closet praying that the church gets it together. Because you got the market cornered. You have the pulse on where the church should be and leadership has lost its view. I have these conversations a lot. People thinking they know everything about God and what he's saying in that season. And they're like, you don't understand, pastor. God's been talking to me. I'm like, praise God. 
And they're like, yo, you don't understand. Like, I mean, really, I open my YouTube and it's right there. All these videos that God keeps on putting on my Instagram, on my, on my Facebook, no matter where I look, I'm seeing God remind me of this. And I'm like, that might not be God. It's called the algorithm. <laughs> that what you click on, you'll get more of. Because they want to put you in your silo. It might not be the Holy Spirit. Have you checked who those people are talking to you on social media? Do you know their testimony? And have you checked their actual work? Are you taking what they say at face value? Because it sounds good. It might not be God. It might be an algorithm. I'll make a t-shirt like that. Praise God. <laughs> and everyone thinks that we know we should be focused on this. I, I find it the church. I've been doing this 14 years now. The church goes through different phases. Six years ago, all prophecy, 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 prophecy. Five years ago, healing, healing, healing. Now, deliverance, deliverance, deliverance. Everybody got a demon. You want to get cleansed. It's like, whoa. And if you're not doing what we're doing, you're out of line. But the job of the church is not the job of the itinerant minister. The itinerant minister is the person who has one message, goes around the country, and collects offerings. The job of the ministers like me and Pastor Mary and the people who preach in this house is to preach the full counsel of God. It's to preach everything in the scripture and to not be a specialist in one area because people in the church need it all. It's one thing to have a balanced diet in your food, but you also need a balanced diet in your spirit and diversity of doctrine and diversity of teaching and diversity of outreach and diversity of all that we do. It brings strength to us. We don't need to do everything you're doing. We don't need to be uniformed like you. We need to be diverse. And so on some seasons, we're feeding homeless. On some seasons, we're clothing people. On other seasons, we're helping inwardly. And we're focused on community building back the church after COVID. And in other seasons, we're worried about loving on our volunteers. And we're worried about uh, how, to, how to be better stewards with our resources. And, and then after Easter, we always focus on grace if you haven't caught the wisdom yet. Because tons of new people come in and they need to know about grace. And every January, if you haven't realized it, we cover this principle of putting God first. Come on, it's a rhythm that we're in. It's a rhythm to understand how the church grows and how the church moves. It's all about diversity and not uniformity. And the responsibility of the ministers and leaders of the church is to preach the full counsel of God according to Acts 20, 27. To preach everything that will be beneficial to the body of believers. I don't want to be a specialist in one area, y'all. I want to preach the full counsel of God. Unity is an essential oil in our church. I close with this idea because I realize that for some of you, I'm asking a lot. For some, I'm, I'm pointing out that the scripture says that you are in sin if you are living in offense with your brother or sister in Christ. For others, I'm telling you that you have cut off some people that God's called you to love. You've cut them off and God's like, you're supposed to love them, not cut them. That's, I'll leave that alone. Okay, all right. I'm telling you that there are some people who you have blocked and you have unfriended and you have stopped fellowshipping with because they don't share your political views. And I want to tell you that you are in error. I'm telling you and others still that living in constant discord with your spouse in your own house, where you are just separate as a team and you're not living uh, as, a, as a team where God called you to be and you've been doing this for, for how long? You need to humble yourself and do all you can to walk in unity with your spouse. Others, I am telling you that thinking everyone should do what you're doing is a lie from the pits of hell because God has called us to be diverse. And not everybody was sharing your vision. Not everybody shares in my vision and that's okay. This church might not be for everybody and I am so a-okay with that. Because I know that God has a specific group who will walk in diversity in this place. See, the goal of God is not to get everybody to do what you're doing. The goal of God is to get everybody to do what he's doing. That's the goal of God. 
I'm telling many of you who have chosen to look at others through a filter of judgmental thinking because they don't think like you, it's sinful, it's wrong. I'm telling some of you who have simple hatred and defenses towards people in your old churches where you came from, don't like your pastors, don't like your old leaders, you look away from other people from that place and then you walk in the stores, you see them, you turn the other way. I wanna tell you, that's not something wrong with them, that's something wrong with you. That's something wrong with you. The question becomes for many of us, well, why should we listen to you, Pastor? Why should I actually think about going back and apologizing and really repenting and seeking reconciliation from people in my life? We find the answer in the very last verse of Psalms 133. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls in the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Here's point number three, that the oil of unity, it commands a blessing. Yo, it commands a blessing. And it says the blessing is life forevermore. Now, as believers, you might tend to think that that's just eternal life. And that's part of it. But there's a blessing in this life that is reserved for those who walk in unity and oneness where Jesus commands us to. And in that place is the fullness of the Spirit of God that comes upon us. In that blessing is the fullness of effectiveness of ministry. It's when the church, whatever we do, it succeeds because we're united as one. Because we all believe that God is calling us to one purpose. It's that when we believe the way God is calling us to believe and when we live as a church, right? That when we do that as one and whatever we do, it makes more of an impact because we are, somebody say one. We want to walk in that unity and in that unity it comes the overflow of the anointing of god that when you're all together in worship and you're all engaged the oil of god just breaks through in the room the anointing breaks the yokes right many a man in their own disunity or divided heart have tried to accomplish their own greatness while being at odds with the greater body of Christ. And that is something that cannot be accomplished. You cannot be great in your own way, but hate the body of Christ. Division in our church or in your homes, it quenches the Holy Spirit of God. And when you are at odds with other people, I want to tell you flat out, you are an anointing killer. No other way to say it. I hope you still love me after this. But when you choose to walk in your issues with people rather than repentance you are killing the anointing of god you're like a hellacious vacuum sucking up all the oil in the room because you are like a black hole of hatred and offense unity causes the dew of heaven to fall on us it causes for the anointing to come many of you have come to services and, and you've experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and then other days you were in a bad mood and you don't experience it but others all around you are it's not the room it ain't the church it's likely you well why well why because you got a spiritual umbrella called the fence and the dew can't fall on you the oil can't fall on you because you are walking in some error or some sin it was the dew of Mount Hermon that caused the mountain to be fruitful with vegetation the second comparison of this unity that David makes is it's like the dew that falls on the mountain. And this mountain's vegetation was just because of this dew. If God's people are in unity, there will be a flow of the anointing of God that will cause a fruitfulness in what we are putting our hands to more so than ever. There's no quicker way to shut down the anointing of God than to have division in a church because God won't pour oil on people who are divided. 
because it's precious. He doesn't want to waste it. To Jesus, this was really important. In John 17, Jesus prays his famous prayer, and he ups the ante from unity to oneness. He says, Father, let them, you and me, let them be one as you and I are one. What? <laughs> let them be one, but you don't understand how they believe, God. And he's like, I want you to be one with that person. Let them be united. The all of heaven cannot fall on people consumed with conflict. The oil of heaven cannot fall on good deeds that are from a dirty heart. The oil of heaven cannot fall on a home constantly in turmoil where spouses are fighting or at odds or sleeping on the couch because you're mad or, or putting on a show for others to act like you're in a, the best marriage ever, but in the behind closed doors, you can't stand your spouse. And God's like, repent and get the oil because there's a blessing that comes when you're in step with one another. Oil falls on people who agree. Oil falls, right? And they see how good and pleasant it is when we put down the foolishness of offendedness and we demand diversity in the church and we don't seek after uniformity. That's when the blessing comes. When we're trying to walk the will of God in the ways of God. We need this essential oil for the church, y'all. Come on, stand with me. We need this essential oil in the church. And, and I want to say this real quick. We is you and me. We all need this. We absolutely need for the Lord to pour the oil of unity because there he commands the blessing. Now, every head bowed, every eye closed. And, and, and I, I'm acutely aware that many of us in this room fall under many of the categories that I have described during the course of my sermon. So with every head bowed, not because something weird is going to happen, but because God is here and we just want to reverence the Spirit of God. If any part of that sermon resonates in your heart that you know you need to repent from, would you lift your hand as high as you can with no shame in your game? Yeah, just lift your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. And maybe you're here today and you don't know God and the oil of unity that you need today is to unite your life to Jesus Christ and give him everything in your life because that's where the blessing comes. And the Bible says refreshing times come when you walk in that unity. Come on, if that's you, lifting your hand as high as you can. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, if you're online, putting in the comments, Pastor, you're talking to me. Pastor, you're talking to me. There's people waiting online to pray with you. We have um, people just there in the comments who, would you put your comment out? We'll reach out to you because we want to pray with you. Yeah. You can put your hands down. I want to tell you that almost every hand was raised. Because we know. Our hearts know. In our hearts, we can't allow our hearts to be deceived any longer. But we need the conviction of God. And maybe you're here and you know that pastor's right and the word of God is true, but your heart doesn't resonate and you don't care. I want to pray for you today for a hardness of heart to break off of you. And for God to restore a heart of flesh in place of that heart of stone. Come on, let's take a moment and just posture our hearts. Because I believe that God is going to bring that oil on your life today. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray for you real quick. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. How desperately we need you. How desperately your church needs you. Through the lifting of our hands, many of us have confessed our need to forgive others, our need to 
walking in unity and in step with other brethren. Maybe we've lived in offense or we have turned our back on people who don't look like us or don't believe like us, don't see the world like us, but we've chosen to put our views over your values, God. Jesus, we need you in this moment. For some of us in this room, I, I just feel it in my heart. You know that everything spoken today was correct, but there's still a hardness of heart to be able to implement it or to put it into practice. And Father, would you allow your Holy Spirit to pierce through that hardness of every person's heart who is willing to be broken by you for the sake of the gospel? Because at the end of it, God, you are more important. Would you show us that loving your sons and daughters around us is more important than hanging on to our feelings, God? Would you convict us in every area? Would you cause us to have a boldness to repent, to reconcile, to love them? Break our hearts for what breaks yours, God. Unite us with our brothers and sisters, God. Make our hearts tender, for those whom we've made it hard towards. Lord, in marriages that have a facade of, would you break the facade? Would you break the hearts of husbands and wives? Would you break the callousness? Would you restore the first love, God? Would you restore the first love? Would you break the racial divides that the enemy has tried to bring up today in our society? Maybe even among our, our body and, and today in our church, Lord God, that the enemies try to make us look at other people and say, well, they're prejudiced, they're racists. But to see them as a son and a daughter of God. Would you give us that conviction, God? And for those who don't know you today, God, would you, would you put them into your grip of grace? That your mercy flows on their lives that times of refreshing come in. There's nothing more important than you. Help us to look to you. Help us, Jesus, help us, Jesus, to not have an emotional moment on Sunday morning, but to have a transformational week every single day that we now walk out this love that we have commanded because now you hold us accountable for what we know. You hold us accountable for what you've spoken to us. You hold us accountable for what you are teaching us. Would you teach us today, God? Break our hearts, God. Yeah. Help us to walk in that brokenness we feel even right now. Help us to walk in this repentance we feel right now. And help, Lord God, give us the grace and gird us up so that when we leave this place, the, the issues of the world don't re-harden our hearts, God. I don't want to go back on moments like this, God. I want to walk forward with you. I want to walk in repentance. I want to walk in joy. I want to walk in peace with my brothers. I want to pursue peace at all costs so that the blessing can come across this house across our homes, across our marriages, across our families, across our workplaces. God, there are people in this room who despise their boss. Would you help them to repent? Would you help them to forgive? Would you help them to intercede for their boss, God? We want to really be who you say we are. We don't want to have the Christian label, but not the Christian heart. Teach us. Teach us, God. Oh, but I know, God, that by your grace, 
you make all things possible. And those whose heart in this room is truly serious about this moment, you're going to have a transformation with them this week, God. And Lord, I'm looking forward to hearing reports of restored relationships and friendships, God. Looking forward to hearing God people who went to those individuals and repented and said, hey, I'm so sorry for looking differently at you. I've been walking in error. It wasn't you, it was me. Lord, give us that boldness to own it and to make it right like Zacchaeus did, Father God, to make it right. Lord, if we publicly talked bad about people, that we wouldn't privately apologize, but that we would publicly apologize, God. And do like you would call us to do, God. By your grace, all things are possible. Come on, the church says amen. amen. And amen. amen. Come on, somebody give God praise. I want to tell you real quick today, if you are finding yourself to be a new believer or just making a decision for Christ, Brother Johnny, is that you right there? Do I see you there, Brother Johnny? He's going to be here in the corner in just a moment. I don't want to challenge you. If you are new to this church and you haven't been connected to one of our teams who are going to help you grow in Christ, we want to help you walk with Jesus. Amen. And I, I'll say it like I've been saying lately. Yes, we will call you. Yes, we will stalk you uh, because it is important that you grow in God. But if you're serious about growing in God, please come talk to Brother Johnny right here in the front after service. Amen. We love you. God bless you. Go in peace we got another service coming, so please make your exit as quickly as possible. God bless you guys.